You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. I hope everyone's doing well and is staying healthy and safe. This week's episode is actually really cool. We have uh, JJ Anselmi, author and drummer, musician, all-around cool guy. The fact that we're having this conversation, JJ and I, sort of closes a weird circle, which I get into later on in the episode. Anyway, JJ has a new book out called Doom to Fail. It's about doom metal, post-rock, and uh, that sort of vibe. It's kind of an interesting story how we came to this. Uh, A few months ago, I found out about your former bands and uh, called Former Worlds. Yeah. And pre-ordered the record. Okay. Then you ran into Mark Vieira, the guy who manages my band Tombs. Yeah. And that's how you and I became acquainted. Right. So that's a that's a pretty roundabout way of uh, getting to this point where we're speaking across the continent on a telephone. Yeah, for sure. So. I was uh, I was I was pretty honored to have. Uh, I mean, like I'd mentioned, I'm a big tombs fan and so when you said you you knew the former world's record i was like oh shit well i guess we i guess we did something right then that's awesome (laughs) yeah i was i pre-ordered it and it turns out i also know the guy who uh put the record out stephen williams oh okay in it records right right yeah and uh i don't know it's just like a funny small sort of world scenario but that brings us to your new book doomed to fail um and that's uh, I, I picked the book up a few days ago and I haven't had a chance to read the entire thing, but I scanned through it. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, it's a history of a offshoot of extreme music yeah. uh, that sort of developed out of what uh, journalists likes to call sludge, do metal, post metal and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So in your opinion, has it really developed into a separate genre of music? Um, I think the kind of doom from like the way Sabbath and like Candlemass set it out a long time ago still exists in different forms. But, uh, yeah, I think it's really just like heavy music as a whole is just really like widened its scope to where like it's much less about taking sounds from one particular like style and really trying to mesh everything together and kind of see what happens. That's one of the things I really liked about tombs is, uh, there's that kind of black metal, but I never would have called you guys like a black metal band. Really. There's like elements of hardcore and like dark rock and even goth a little bit. So yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I, I agree with that. Um, so, like, for you as a musician starting out, uh, you're, you guys are from the Midwest, right? That's I don't I've quite figured out where your origins were. I believe that you're from Wyoming originally. Yeah, I'm from yeah. I grew up in Wyoming and have kind of moved around over the years. Um, I lived in Denver, Colorado, um, for about six years, and uh, me and my buddy Grant um, formed the band in the Company of Serpents, which he's gone on to continue and do way more than I was only in the band. We only did a demo pretty much, but he's really turned it into its own 
whole thing. And then I've kind of moved on and moved around since then. And my wife and I lived in uh, Minneapolis for a couple of years. Um, and I, that's when I was in the band, um, former worlds. And I currently live in uh, long beach, which is hopefully, hopefully the last move because <laughs> moving across the country is, um, fucking horrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really not fun. So hopefully that's the last one. Yeah, I've one. done that once, man, and it's brutal to move across the country like that, yeah. for sure. But I will say I'm I'm super thankful for her. Um, it's just really shown me in each city kind of how special um, the metal community can be. And so I have just, you know, great lifelong friends in Denver. And then uh, Minneapolis metal scene was is really amazing. It's very tight-knit. Um, yeah, I miss... I miss so many people from there and there's so much, um, good music. Um, and then I, I've been lucky enough to kind of find a similar community and in long beach. And so, yeah, I guess the good thing that comes out, came out of it is that I feel like I have these really amazing friends in in different places. Although I wish I could uh, see them more. What was your entry point into playing music? Like what, uh, you know, what, what sort of stuff influenced you? Like what, why did you pick up drums? Like, yeah. you know, what, what was the, uh, the sort of impulse to do all this stuff? Um, when I was like, uh, 12, uh, my friend's older brother got really into a uh, black Sabbath and it must've been because we thought he was really cool. Me and my friends thought we should start a band, and I'm not exactly what sure what it was about the drums. Maybe it just looked really fun. That's kind of how I always think about it. Is like, what's the most logical instrument for a little kid to want to play? And you just see like somebody just going nuts and beating the shit out of these, you know, these these surfaces pretty much. And I'm like, that obviously looks the most fun to a little kid. So that was probably a big part of it. And so we started trying to cover. Um, Sabbath songs and I guess from there I've just always um, I guess through junior high and high school I was never like super serious about it um, until I kind of I discovered like I hate God I remember that like super clearly in a in a BMX video of that being like dude you should play music and like this is the music for you it just really kind of reached out to me um, and I think it was this is kind of like grimy and um very from the earth it kind of had like this blue collar vibe and this inviting quality of like you know it's it's not super polished it's not by like people who've spent 20 years getting phds and jazz guitar or something like that it's just people who love the music and um it, it kind of showed me that it's for everybody um and then kind of later on as the bmx thing um as i started getting like I don't know, sick of getting hurt from BMX. I focused a lot more on, on music. And I think part of the, the doom and sludge thing is that uh, I've never been a super good like technical player. I always wish I could play like crazy double bass like uh, Pantera and Slayer stuff, but I used to try so hard and it just never, it never worked out to where it could be like solid in any form. And so when I found the sludge, it was like, um, yeah, I was just like, here's some really aggressive music that you can be a caveman on your on your instrument and also uh, pull it off. Well, that that's definitely a, a uh, technique um, 
you know, working with space like that, because I actually find that I personally have problems with all that space. Interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like, the, you know, the same way that you find it hard to play double bass and blast beats. Yeah, Some yeah. people who are really good at playing blast beats can't really play slow with all that space. It for creates sure. anxiety for them at times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh... Yeah, thing to think about, and you're totally right. I probably maybe sell myself short a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think that's really true. And it seems rare when you find players, not only drummers but guitarists too, who are like really good at playing either fast and slow. And I feel like there's there's more and more nowadays as people kind of mesh genres. But um, yeah, for for whatever reason, it seems it seems like a lot of us are kind of we have like our go-to style that we're most comfortable in and trying to do the other is is a challenge for sure you referenced i hate god earlier and um you know that that's a band that uh sort of morphs that metal and punk aesthetic yeah you know like some people you could look at i hate god and appreciate that completely from a punk rock like standpoint and you can also appreciate it from like just the heaviness of their music too. Definitely. And um, so being into BMX, I, I always associated BMX and skateboarding as kind of like this outsider like sort of vibe. Yeah. And uh, were, were you somebody who existed sort of on the outside of things when you were growing up, you know, even before you got into music? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, BMX and and music really like went hand in hand with kind of like when I found myself in junior high was really like the first time I remember feeling kind of just, um, I don't know, just separate in some kind of weird way. I guess the way I describe it is like viewing things from kind of the back of the room. It, it just seemed like I, I couldn't mesh with a lot of people super well. And so, yeah, that kind of, um, that kind of like individuality that I found in, in BMX and heavy metal really worked um, super well. And so kind of the, it's funny the way for me and my buddies to rebel was to be straight edge because there was so much, uh, like addiction and, and drug use, um, kind of surrounding us and, you know, both like a, a family setting and also just socially, um, we live in this kind of, uh, dead end blue collar town where there's just not much to do. And so kids would just get, the progression was um, like weed straight to meth <laughs> for everybody. Oh, man. Yeah. It was just, yeah. And it, it was like, yeah, just super widespread. And so our way of kind of like separating ourselves is to, to be straight edge. Um, and, and so, yeah, kind of like you were, you mentioned, uh, yeah, I think it, all those subcultures appeal to people who, yeah, for whatever reason, it, it just, um, I don't know, we need more time to ourselves or like when I see a huge crowd, my knee jerk is to not go along with it, but to like react the exact opposite way. So whatever weird thing is in our DNA, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Coming from that part of the country, uh, were there other bands or other people, you know, that you could play shows with, or did you guys have to travel a lot to do gigs? Um, so when I was in Wyoming, I was never like, serious enough with music um to travel but there were that's kind of one of the cool things um in small towns like that is there are always dedicated kids that like 
we'll try to make the most out of it. And so there were there were people who would try and put on shows in like the local like Eagles Hall and kind of weird little public spaces like that. And so I feel like I it really I took a lot of that into kind of my approach to music now and that like I really do think it's what you make out of it. And I think you really gotta put the work in and kind of to me the the bands I admire most have a, a pretty like staunch um DIY approach to it and trying to make it happen for themselves and um I think Neurosis is like a really good example of that, of just kind of a band that has just found its own way in so many ways over the years from the sound to um you know the live show to starting their own label and just who they are as people yeah neurosis uh along with uh you know you mentioned black sabbath and you know i hate god they're they're a band that i think are are architects in this whole sound really and this whole way of doing things yeah for sure um and i i think kind of going back to that like punk rock energy that you talked about there's something like really special seemed to happen with um, Melvin's and I Hate God and Neurosis and that they took like the the punk approach or punk mind frame and then tried to see what they could do with that in heavy music. And I mean, the results really, you know, speak for themselves. It, it really ended up defining a whole branch of not only extreme music, but just music in general. I think Neurosis just challenges to me what's what's even possible with sound and they've they've like defined and then redefined that m numerous times over the years when to me like any musician is very lucky to have that happen once but you know they've done it several times which to me is is pretty mind-blowing do you uh, have any favorite neuro neurosis records i mean they're one of my favorite bands too so yeah um well i'll have to ask you afterward but yeah, it's a tough it's a tough decision, but I I do always go back to Through Silver and Blood probably. Um something about the vibe of that record. It, it, I remember it being like one of probably three records in my entire life that just playing it like actually first listening to it in depth for the first time was just like it scared the shit out of me. I was just like Jesus Christ, like it's just such a fucking journey into the darkest realms of the brain and just these weird areas that most people do not want to look at, especially in any kind of sustained way. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd say Through Silver and Blood probably for sure. And then um, Jason Rutter's drumming on that has been a, a huge influence for sure. What about you? I have to say Through Silver and Blood is probably my all-time favorite record and i mean that that's a, a masterpiece and um yeah i mean the fact is if you read anything about the making of that record you'll see that the members of the band were all going through some really intense personal stuff and i think that vibe is what attracts people to it the honesty the yeah. intensity of the music is something that resonates with a lot of people so it's not unusual definitely yeah and yeah like you said kind of the way they talk about it now about that period like they they use metaphors like uh like bloodletting or just like they'll say like it was it was absolute war and it, it might sound like 
you know if you did if you didn't know the record in the band it might sound like an exaggeration but it's it's not at all it, it, it's it's spot on you can tell there's like a very real like psychic sacrifice happening with that album when did you start writing was that something that was always part of your life uh, from from a young age or you know what when did you get into doing that um <clears throat> really when i so I was always a, a straight edge kid through high school. And then I had kind of the stereotypical um, straight edge experience of like, you know, not being straight edge very suddenly and then just being completely ridiculous with everything for a couple of years there. Um, and so I never really got like um, really heavy into anything scary, but uh, mostly just psychedelics and started doing that stuff too much and became a little weird I guess I could tell I was kind of just drifting apart uh and it just I I would start like um thinking people were like plotting against me and just weird shit like that to where I had kind of a realization that like I really needed to stop and um kind of just be completely sober for a while and so when I um, stop doing drugs and drinking. Um, it just opened up this, this huge, you know, basically t so much time really. And, and not only that, but like, uh, just kind of creative space. And I've always been kind of a, a reader as a, um, like growing up and as a kid, my friends would always make fun of me because, um, I would like go home and read like the Lord of the Rings books and shit like that. <laughs> And so I, I think that kind of, um, I don't know, attraction to literature has been there for a long time, probably stemming back to my mom <clears throat> and her just kind of, you know, really finding solace in, in books. And so like when I really started to understand kind of myself as an adult person, um, writing just felt very natural, I guess, in a similar way as like um, heavy music, heavy music did it just seemed like something I should do. And the more and more I practiced it, um, yeah, I just really appreciated that kind of the space that it opened up in my head and kind of the, the, um, the opportunity to like look back and try to figure myself out or try to look at a piece of art in depth. And, um, and some music writing about music then became a, another like kind of natural outlet for that to take to And, I started to really appreciate when I first started doing um, like my first album reviews, the way that like you would, I would, I feel like I hear a record on a different level when I know I'm going to write about it and I, I can really like focus on it and look at the details and it, it really makes me appreciate stuff on a different level. Your first book though was, uh, was not, was like loosely music based, but it was more of a narrative though. So, uh, so was yeah, that, yeah. You know, writing in that narrative style, uh, you know, is that something that you had like inside of you that you wanted to express maybe as a result of uh, all of the sort of journalism that you were doing? I, the narrative style was uh, actually came before like the journalism. I think I've always been attracted to uh, like fiction. And when I was in my early 20s, I, I really got into writers like uh, Charles Bukowski and Hunter S. Thompson and Jack Kerouac, who are kind of Again, like you said, there's that kind of like outsider quality of just kind of weirdos who they were never really accepted in like an academic literary setting and 
maybe looked down upon by certain crowds, but it really grabbed me. Um, and so I think the narrative stuff came first and then the, the journalism is afterward. But I, I think really I'm probably more of a narrative writer at the end of the day. The next next books that I write will be uh, a lot more narrative based for sure. Yeah, it's funny, uh, Bukowski, that I think that a lot of men uh, in their early 20s discover of those those writers like any anyone who's yeah. going you know what I mean it's like a common story it seems like it's really funny for sure because I yeah. was the same man like uh have you ever read John Fonte yeah yeah huge fan of Fonte too yeah yeah that's uh kind of uh you can see the similarity in writing styles to Bukowski and Fonte as well as um I mean the obvious ones uh Hemingway like especially the early yeah like the the Nick Adams stories I find to be very similar to uh to to uh, uh charles bukowski yeah for sure and yeah yeah like you said there's that kind of um period in, in a lot of dudes lives where it's like i guess you're kind of like starting to really think for yourself and like i said kind of you know like become more of an adult and like an actual thinking person and i, th I think those writers were like a really good just you know thing to engage with at that point in time along with like really delving into weirder aspects of heavy music when i when i was first getting into uh like bukowski and kerouac was when i was like really first discovering um like neurosis and and sun and harvey milk and the kind of you know i i guess you could say more intellectual heavy music but i i kind of i don't know um balk at that term because it sounds pretentious because that music to me is not not pretentious at all. It's it's super smart. It's but it's not pretentious. I don't think. Yeah, that music is definitely speaking to like something higher than than maybe yeah. just the kind of visceral nature of some stuff. I mean, you listen to Neurosis. It's different. You know, I'm not saying it's better, but it's different than listening to like Cannibal Corpse or something like that. You know, for sure. I mean, two definitely. great two great bands, but just different. They're exercising different muscles you know yeah yeah it takes you to a, a super different mental space and kind of going back to like what you're saying like some the the kind of space that it can be hard to fill as a musician I think is kind of hard for some listeners to maybe engage with or I myself don't want to engage with it all the time because it's you know I can't listen to neurosis like only neurosis that would be a very uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe it wouldn't be that bad but i think i think i would get very tired because it's it's super taxing yeah definitely it's uh after i mean especially seeing seeing them live it's like you pretty yeah. much you're you're all set for a while for that you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah and especially with like the weirdest like sun or something like that i can't it's not like a casual listen. When I when I want to listen to it, I'm like kind of got to mentally prepare myself. So with your first book, Heavy, was that sort of, uh, you know, was that, was that, did that come as a result of your fascination with like Charles Bukowski and all that? It has yeah. an autobiographical uh, characteristic to it. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I kind of, when I was in my early 20s and, knowing that I wanted to write and just like you do as a musician, you know, you kind of look for people who've done something similar who come from a, a similar state of mind. Um, and it, it seemed like Bukowski and Kerouac and Hunter S Thompson 
they didn't there's like fictionalized aspects but it's it's really all autobiographical at the end of the day like they're essentially writing from their own perspective and the main character is is always themselves in, in a certain sense and so yeah i think that really um shapes me kind of wanting to write autobiographically and and in another sense it, i always had like a, a lot of trouble trying to step out completely outside and invent a character just you know like whole cloth and it seemed like whenever i would try to write fiction i was just writing some version of events that i had experienced anyway so at some point i was like dude you should just write like why not just write nonfiction? <laughs> and yeah i kind of fell into place from there yeah so uh now we're up to doom to fail your new book and um yeah yeah so what was the impetus for writing this one? This is, uh, you know, kind of a history of uh, what we'd mentioned before, you know, doom, post metal, sludge, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So after the after heavy and kind of the you know really heavy like introspection and um, looking back at my hometown, especially, I think writing that book would really place me in that place. Um, and it's not necessarily like a, a place I want to be all the time. Uh, and so I think with Doom to Fail, I knew that I wanted to write a book about heavy music because it's had such a huge impact on my life. And then it kind of took a little bit to get there to like figure out exactly what the book would be. At first, um, really the very beginnings of it was, I don't know if you know the uh, books 33 and a third. They're like those little... Uh, yeah, yeah. there was one on Masters yeah, yeah. of Reality, I think, and uh, Rain and Blood. There's like, it's yeah, not just yeah, metal, exactly. it covers a lot of genres of music, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I really loved uh, the John Darnell one, who, I mean, it's kind of a tangent. He's he's since become like one of my favorite writers. Not only that book, but his, uh, his novels are just phenomenal. But uh, so yeah, those 33 and a third books, and so there's a open call for submissions from that publisher. Um, and I, I thought it'd be sick to do one on uh, I Hate God. And the album that to, that has always really stood out to me from them is uh, Dope Sick. And so when I reached out to the band about um, like maybe potentially working on on that, they essentially told me that uh, like Dope Sick wasn't the record that they would want to focus on too much. Um, and kind of what I got is that it's like, they were they were severely like that was just a very fucked up time for them as a band and i don't think they're super proud of that record but i think it i think it's i hate god to a t it's it's incredibly dirty it's fucking fierce it's scary um so yeah they they basically told me that they wouldn't want to um like talk about that record in depth and the the um proposal ended up getting rejected anyway and so from there i i just kind of wondered like how could i expand this and um you know really examine it i thought maybe a full band biography would be the way to do it but then i realized i was more interested in trying to trace doom and and sludge in this heavy music as as art forms because i and i bet you've had like a similar experience in that like there's always like some kind of like explanation i feel like i have to include with like yeah i listen to metal but like it can be really smart too, or there, there's always been some period where you have to kind of like justify 
you know, being into like really aggressive music for people who don't like quite understand it. And so I think Doom to Fail maybe stemmed from that. And like, I've, I've always thought heavy music is, is a legit art form, like, you know, as high as and profound as anything else from, you know, like the, the craziest, most interesting paintings to like full on symphonies and jazz music and stuff. And so I, I think at the end of the day, Doom to Fail was me trying to just lay out this branch of heavy music that has meant the world to me as this this art form and trying to kind of give it the critical context that I feel like it deserves. No, that's pretty cool because I've often felt the same thing all, all the way back to punk rock music too, even from like the 70s yeah. onward. Uh, I remember, you know, probably in my early 20s when I was reading a lot of Charles Bukowski and uh, <laughs> writing in my notebook <laughs> thinking about how people are going to look back at punk rock as like, the, you know, the, the yeah. later 20th century blues or something, you know, for sure. That finally has happened. It just, it took people like, you know, writing about it and really like the people who understood the music really had to be the ones who, who wrote about it and kind of put it in context um, from like, you know, there's the book, uh, please kill me. I thought is, is like fucking amazing account of of punk and then you know more like um in-depth account uh, accounts and kind of analysis of like what punk can be and how how widespread or how far you can kind of push that ideology so how did you go about selecting the bands to write about it's just uh you, you kind of, what, what was the process that you went through to figure that out yeah that was a, a tough one i mean some of them were like no-brainers you know like Sabbath, obviously, um, heavy metal and doom wouldn't exist. You can pretty much, there's a pretty clear like a moment for when the song Black Sabbath came out. It's like you put anything from that time up next to it and it just sounds totally different. It's a completely different world. And so there's a few of those bands where it's just like kind of no brainers, like, you know, I Hate God and Neurosis and Melvins where they're just so far ahead of their time and doing something super super unique that became incredibly influential um so those bands were pretty easy but then when it became like i think some of the some of the doom bands that I, i've loved over the years um that like when i really looked at it kind of next to other stuff from the time i i made the tough decision of like I don't think it was as influential as this other record. And so that was kind of the decision-making process is really trying to, as best as I could, having been, you know, I'm, I'm 34 years old, having not been like really in the music scene during some of those, during some of those moments, as much as I could as a listener and um, just really thinking hard about it, um, looking at the records that I felt pushed whatever given style it was further in terms of like influence or just doing something a little bit more unique with it. And so that was really, that was a decision process in a lot of it. And then um, another facet was kind of trying to um, really, I don't know, um, highlight uh, women musicians and people of color too, because um, I don't know, you know, metal people think it can be, and it is like overwhelmingly like white dudes and stuff, but um, I don't think it has to be that way. And so I tried to kind of highlight people who are outside those categories to, you know, try to 
show that heavy music truly is for everybody. Definitely. And that's something that on the, you know, being from the East coast and, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey area specifically, uh, there are quite a bit of people of color, um, and different yeah. cultures involved in making, you know, punk and hardcore metal and all that yeah. stuff out here. So that's definitely pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, uh, that's been one of the things I really love about, um, Long Beach, uh, where I live and, LA is I feel like the the metal scene here is um you know diverse in this really cool way that um yeah it, it's fucking great I love it so how do, how do you uh react to a lot of this um you know uh you know kind of right wing influences and in some of uh the extreme music you know what I mean or do you think uh yeah, a lot of the clickbaity articles that have been written about some of these—not the band specifically in this book, but in general—there's a lot of internet chatter about right-wing politics and all this stuff showing yeah. up in heavy metal. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I think it really depends on the band a lot of times. I mean, there's you know examples of the straight-up just like racism and stuff in black metal um yeah and it, it's i mean the like straightforward answer is that it's it's really gross and it's not something i want to interact with in any other way but then there is that kind of the other flip side to it of like like burzum is always a good example because like his politics are pretty disgusting but you also at the same time can't really deny like the influence and so it does get tricky with metal because it tends to uh, it does attract those pretty extreme personalities a lot of times and so that can be extreme in like a very ugly way that um you know is not necessarily something that should be reinforced in the world um yeah, i hate totally. god is definitely yeah uh, i hate god is another one where like you, you know over the years as i've thought more and more about um kind of like race in america and um what it means to like have the confederate flag on your guitar and like a song called um you know white n-word and stuff it, it some of that stuff becomes harder and harder to uh stomach i think once you once you look at the larger context but then again like i said there's that kind of thing that you can't deny that you know i wouldn't be playing music if it wasn't for i hate god so there's some complexity there that I think maybe to go back to your question can get, uh, I don't know, like it, it, it tends to disappear in like the internet chatter type discussions, because I think if you look really honestly, and for me at least, you know, like kind of who I am and where I come from, there's some, you know, ugly aspects for sure. Yeah, I think the internet uh, definitely sort of, sidesteps the any complexity when it comes to discussing anything that has any sensitivity to it you know it's either like this very dogmatic standpoint you know of like either you agree or disagree there's no gray areas there's no complexity to any of the points so but i think life in general is way more nuanced and complex than people like to think it is yeah it really is and I mean, again, the I hate, I hate God is like the perfect example for me with this stuff because, um, you know, they're still one of my favorite bands and probably will always be one of my favorite bands while at the same time I'm like, 
some of that shit you guys did, I'm like, I don't think you guys should, that, like, I don't agree with it. I think you guys were totally wrong. Like, they they would say, like, with the Confederate flag and song titles and stuff that it, it was a joke. But I don't know. The more I thought about it, I was like, I don't think that can be really a joke. Like, there's, to some people it can be, like, if you're, you know, white and stuff. But to other people, like, that shit is not a fucking joke. <laughs> and, uh so yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, I wouldn't be here if, you know, talking to you quite literally if it wasn't for I Hate God. And so it reminds me of like, if you ever had like a racist, like family member or something like that, where like they've been there for you your entire life and they've really helped you, but then there's this very ugly aspect to them. And I guess that's how I think about I Hate God and some of those bands. Yeah, I was going to use that same example, actually, because uh, yeah. you know, I have a lot of, you know, my family is pretty deeply entrenched in like New York City and Long Island and whatnot. Very kind of like old school, like typical, like New York City types that, uh, yeah, you know, they definitely have some colorful ideas about things. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am today without those people in my life. And uh yeah, you know, it's a complicated situation, you know, and that's kind of, I think it is you have to look at everything case by case a lot of times. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, very long answer to your question. Yeah. It's, it's the, the more I come back to it, it's, it, it really is case by case. I can't make like a broad statement. I mean, I have my politics and stuff I believe, but as far as like when it comes across in somebody else's music, I really have to approach it just on an individual basis. So what's next for you as far as, uh, you know, you got anything on the horizon, either musically or with your writing? Yeah, so uh, uh, my um, band here in uh, Long Beach called uh, Drainage, um, we just um, played a show last night celebrating the uh, release of a new 7-inch that we have. Um, there's some like sludge elements for sure, but there's also like, uh, you know, we're, we're big fans of like coalesce and kind of that, um, you know, like late nineties, early two thousands, weird metalcore, I guess you would call it, but, um, yeah, still trying to be pretty abrasive. So that just came out. And then as far as writing, um, I mean, I, the concept I have is to do a oral history of, uh, my hometown. Um, and, but I mean that any, you know, I haven't even started. And so completion on that would be like at the very least, probably five years away from like a book being in the world. Do you, uh, which do you enjoy more writing or creating music? Um, is that, is that a weird question? <laughs> no, it's not weird. I think, I think they really, to me, complement each other super well. Because the music for me is like, it's very physical. I'm not like a um, classically trained musician in any way. So yeah, it's a, a super kind of like physical lizard brained exercise in a lot of ways. I mean, it's still like, you know, I try to incorporate like weird changes and timings and stuff. But I think ultimately it's, I'm a, I'm a lizard brain type musician. And then writing is, you know, way more just like the other complete side of your brain of just like very analytical and looking th at things kind of in depth and ruminating and maybe being a little bit slower to react and it's less immediate. And so I, I think 
those two things work together super well. When I when I might hit like a brick wall with writing, there's not really anything better I could do with music. And then when I need a break from um, being in a band and playing shows, writing is that like perfect kind of solitude. That's awesome. You know, I got to say about your drumming, though, you say that it's caveman, but the only drumming I really know of yours is from the former world stuff. And uh, it's funny, right before I called in, I uh, was listening to the record and I was like, man, this is like, it's kind of hard to follow, you know, there's like very, I mean, it's funny because as a listener, I'm like, oh, there's like some intricate arrangements going on here, but it might not be that at all. It might just be like one big jam that you guys are doing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think for my, like my um, status in the band, um yeah it's kind of like the lizard brain like physical but then yeah there's a lot of those like weird changes and timings a lot of it came from uh the guitarist i i, I always get confused what to call him in that band because he plays a, a fender bass six but he like essentially plays it like a guitar and right. anyway what, whatever he does he he's a really smart musician and he knows a lot more than i do about like um timings and weird syncopation and stuff and so it was really cool to be in a band with him because he would he he pushed me so hard to progress in that realm and um yeah i th- i think he's a huge reason of why that stuff is there as far as like maybe the music i would produce of my own volition it would be a lot more like a i hate god probably <laughs> yeah but even that stuff too has like this kind of off kilter it's true the one and is it like in a weird place and you know what i mean it has like this kind of odd time feel to it as well you know yeah that's true yeah there's that and their stuff there's really that kind of weird jazz new orleans yeah the one is always in some weird spot like a lot of times it's still four four but like if you and it might sound simple at like first listen but like if you try to actually play it it's like whoa what the fuck are these guys doing it's super weird oh yeah yeah, maybe yeah (laughs) yeah because i tried to play along to some of their stuff like over the years and it's uh like you know the chords and the notes but they they come in weird places and it's actually really hard to play yeah yeah and so yeah maybe there probably is a lot of um you know bleed between yeah trying to wed the lizard brain and something a little bit more uh analytical and stuff with music too but yeah that that thanks that's a huge uh compliment coming from you like i said i'm a um huge tombs fan i saw you guys in denver i'm trying to remember the tour at the marquee theater oh yeah um, I, I that's uh yeah we played denver a ton over the years uh but yeah, yeah. that's the thanks a lot man i appreciate it you know anyone that i run into that appreciates the band i uh i definitely think that's cool you know yeah and mark uh Mark showed me um, some of the the new uh, tombs. So, oh no, the new tombs is out, right? It's out. It's out right now. Yeah, it just came out a couple weeks ago. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot because he sent it to me like a week before it came out, and I listened to it, and um, yeah, was very stoked on the new direction, and I got to go back to it. But uh, cool. Winter Hours is a. I spent a lot of time with that record for sure. Yeah, there's um I'm working on some other material for this thing I'm doing that's maybe a little bit more along those lines. That's uh I'm still formulating it right now, but it's going to be a separate band that's going to be uh 
kind of in that vein, but not not just like recreating that, but maybe taking elements of that and like crossing it with some something else, you know? Fuck yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Cool. Well, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time and and uh, doing this. I appreciate it. it. Looks sounds like you have a really busy uh, press thing going on today. So um, yeah, it's there- all good. Yeah. Is there any so uh, much, website Mike. addresses or anything like that you want to get out there? Any any social media, you know, things people can follow you at? Um, yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter, and then uh, you can find a bunch of my um, writing and music just at um, jjandselmi.com. So yeah, former worlds and drainage and uh, some of the other shit I've done over the years, in addition to. Uh, like book excerpts and you know different writing and you can buy a hard copy of both of your books on amazon too so yep yeah amazon and yeah if you want to do a barnes and noble or uh indie bound is is another resource i've been uh steering people toward because you can order it through there and then you can also like find the nearest uh independent bookshop where they're selling the books cool that's great yeah. You got to make sure we uh, give give like uh, support to the local brick and mortar places too. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same as like a, you know, the, the good record store that you find in your younger years that like there's a, there's that clerk that shows you like, you know, just this music that's f- fucking amazing that you wouldn't have found otherwise. I think that is super valuable and you and really you, you only find it. Um, yeah, at the, at the bookstore, at the record store. Well, once again, man, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, everyone out there, be sure to check out the new book doomed to fail. Thanks so much, Mike. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.